You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. You're here on another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm going to be your host. Uh, My name is Doug Thorpe. And today I've got a fellow coach and advisor, consultant type guy. His name is Gordon Treadgold. Gordon has published a couple of books, and he is all about studies that he's done on how to create achievable, sustainable performance. And that is always a topic that's in the heart and mind of leaders because, hey, if you can't move your organization forward, what are you doing? You know, maybe somebody else needs to be there. But uh, Gordon, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I know I wasn't reading from the official bio, so uh, if I may ask you, (laughs) what did I leave out of that? Um, I, I think possibly something that's not in it which is uh you know the the name of your show i'm from yorkshire and we are we are known for our pragmatic common sense (laughs) just just get on with it lad and get it done get it sorted and and i think that's been a fundamental part of uh of my leadership don't be phased just uh you know Ed down practical common sense and right. uh, find a way. Well, I have landed on that mantra for a long time now because of my own experience in the business world. I was always confounded by those above me who seemed to enjoy making things way more complex than they needed to be. And for me, I I have some roots in the military, and the military is famous for the KISS principle. Keep yeah. it simple, stupid. And uh, and when you think about it, that, that's not to degrade anybody's persona, but rather it's, it's an urgency and a necessity when you think of, of things in the heat of battle and you've got to move and and adjust you can't have a long complex set of instructions no you, you got to say point a to point b boom let's go and i realize with advent of technologies that there's complexities in the world but as we are about leading teams and influencing people it comes down to the human element of it and yeah. and, and you got to be direct you got to be clear yeah, I, I I don't actually like the kiss uh, mnemonic because it implies there's a degree of stupidity in it. Uh, keeping things simple is is difficult and requires a level of expertise and uh, understanding. And I, and I think we can it, it kind of gets undersold with that keep it simple stupid added uh to the end of it but yeah that that's been that's been that's been my mantra and a lot of you know never in the military but i but i played a lot of contact sports i i played a lot of rugby and when you're under the cosh and it's probably a bit harsh of me to say that some of the you know some of the big guys in the team weren't weren't the most intellectually adept (laughs) You, you can't have complex strategies. You, you've got to have simple things that they can just 
understand, fall back on, and then execute, you know, execute flawlessly. And simple things allow, you know, you to execute flawlessly. Complex things allow you to screw up in any manner of ways uh, imaginable. So, yeah, keep it simple. I mean, and, and I think it is one of my um superpowers that over the years has just become you know more and more to the fore and and having led teams of a thousand people across multiple cultures as soon as you bring in different languages or or teams where people where their first language isn't english then if the english people don't understand it People whose first language is in English are going to understand it even less. So that simplicity of community, you know, simplicity of approach, and then simplicity of communication of of that approach is absolutely critical. Yeah, you know, a, a popular term that has arisen, uh, perhaps in parallel with the whole pandemic and and leadership thinking that has changed during that time, and how to respond to the chaos and crisis that that was the word is clarity people yeah. have have really locked in on the spirit of how can i as a leader become more clear in my message to my people and i again a slight military uh analogy but if you can't see the target how are you gonna hit it right, <laughs> right. you know the, a sniper rifle isn't a rifle it's a rifle with a humongous sight that allows you to get the target as big and as clear as day and you know we need to be we need to be having that you know that same kind of target and view for our teams so that they can you know they can know what's needed to be done and know whether they've been successful or not and uh, there was a study about oh you know the you know what teams are looking for and one of the top four things was uh clarity right. clarity support the freedom to get on with things and then um praise for having done a good job those are the top four things that teams want clarity support the space to get on with it not micromanage me and then praise when i've done a good job and the one of the people who did the study that they looked at 72 different leadership qualities and said that leadership is different from country to country because the only things that were for con consistent and commons were those four things and i thought what are the other 68 things <laughs> you were measuring <laughs> because in terms of complexity you've you're off the chart you know from simplicity and this is what i tell people that you know there is a common leadership approach that works everywhere clarity give people support so clarity give them the space to get on with it support them when they need it and praise them when they're successful if you just do those four things that will put you into a leadership category uh you know of the top five percent I like that. And it couldn't be any simpler. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing about, the, one of the things I love about it is clarity can be difficult. Support, do you have the time? Don't know yet. But keeping out of their way requires zero effort. 
and applauding them when they've done a good job. Yeah, you've you've got to bring one hand against the other, but in terms of degrees required to do that, nope. It's uh, pretty much uh, uh, a quality that even the most junior of staff can do. So that means there's only two things that require any real effort or expertise, and that's providing the clarity and providing support. Right. There's two things. Right. And then keeping out of the way and applauding them when they're done. You know, uh, we, we can unpack all those things. The one that I'll start with is is that idea of giving the praise. And I frequently yeah. uh, talk to leaders, and I, I will eventually get around to asking them the question, how do you celebrate wins at work? When, when your team wins or an individual wins the day, how do you celebrate that? What do you do? And And most of the time, the answer is kind of like, we don't really do much. You know, it's kind of like we all look at it like that's our job. We're supposed to have that win. We're supposed to cross that goal line. I I worked for a company and I got reprimanded twice. The the first time I got reprimanded was because my in my department I'd given out 275 awards. This is across a team of a, a thousand people over a period of time. We're giving out something like 275 awards, ranging from a bottle of wine, a dinner with your wife, to a 5% bonus. Now, the 5% bonus requires you to do some serious shit. You know, we were where we were saving millions of, of dollars. And I, I got uh, told off uh, for doing that, it wasn't company policy, and then I, I was told to stop, uh, and then I got told off again because they found out that I was still doing it, but I was paying for it out of my own pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and they and they said to me, "You need to understand something. We bonus people when we give them their salary, so people are bonused every month." And I said to them, "You need to understand something. You understand nothing." <laughs> bonuses and recognition salary gets people to come to work it's the motivation the recognition and recognition is often more important than the the bonuses and the reward that's what gets them to go above and beyond and i i got into trouble again because we were told i was told that you know within our company um what we we only uh, reward big successes and and not only was i not not only was i rewarding too many people i was rewarding them along the journey so you know we did things like uh um service level management service reports and we didn't have any and i implemented that the first team to create them accurately even though every service delivered was read i gave a bottle of wine to because for me, producing, you know, it's like getting on the scales and it's saying you're fat, you need to lose weight. You've got to get some credit for actually getting on the scale and being willing to do it. Now, you're not going to get that again, but as the needle starts to move in the right direction, you raise the bound. They said, we only celebrate big successes. And I went, quick question for you. I went, yeah, sure. And how many big successes have you had? Not that many. I was like, not that many. I wonder why that is. And who, which team is the most successful team in our 
department that went, it's yours. I went, okay. And you see no correlation between we give the most rewards on us achieving the most success. And they said, we've already told you once, no. And people get rewarded every month when we send them a salary. Wow. And, I, and I and I said to him, you know, on the effort, I said, do you have any kids? He went, yeah, I've got two. I said, what do you do when your first child took three steps, dropped on his bum and uh, fell over? And he went, well, we applauded. Really? Did, did the child break the 100 metre world record? Did he run a marathon? No, no. But what he did was he took the first steps on a journey to where one day he might run a marathon or break the world record. I was like, yeah, exactly. And that's what we as leaders have got to do. We want to encourage them to take, you know, to get up and try again, because we know it's the, nobody, nobody, you know, achieves the goal with the first effort. And we have to recognize the effort to get them to repeat it so that ultimately they will do that. But you know, this one company just kept telling me, stop doing it, stop doing it. Even though we were successful, we were told, I was told to stop doing it. So, so if I may ask, how much longer did you stay there after those discussions? <laughs> well, I, I ended up I ended up leaving and taking a package because I was I was ranked the bottom um, leader four years in a row from my peer group, even though I ran the biggest department with the biggest budget and achieved the most success. I was told that they didn't they didn't um, recognize leaders on the results, they recognize them on their leadership capability. And my leadership capability was the worst of every department. And I said, well, how do I get the, re the great results that are number one in the department? They said, we don't know. But yeah. yeah, I'm not a good fit for this company. <laughs> That's what I was thinking is uh, there, you're, you're back to the fit question again. And yeah. I, what what yeah, I yeah. tell people, if, if, if I've learned anything in my trips around the sun, everything you might think about ultimately falls out on a scale. You know, there's a high yeah. and a low on the scale and your fit in an organization may be just one of those. And on the ex one in ex extreme end of the scale is the notion of I don't fit here. I need to go. Yeah, the the two jobs where I was paid the most money, I worked for the worst boss. And uh, the one where I was paid the least, and it was a, it was a, it was a significant difference. If I could have gone back and worked for that boss, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Because he, he, he valued my contribution. He knew I could do things that he couldn't do. So, you know, we would uh, agree and strategize it. And then he would leave me to get on with it. And it was, it was the most rewarding time of my career. Yet, fis fiscally the least profitable, but it's the one that I remember most warmly. I, I'm, as you were saying that, I'm reminded of uh, one of my last tours of duty in the military. I was transferred to a unit. It was a it was a base support unit, but it was headed up by this colonel that had a notorious reputation for just being a horrible person to work for. Just, I, I mean, yeah. I had heard everything about him. You know what a terrible human being he was. He wasn't even a nice human, much less boss. 
but I thought, well, okay. And I, you know, yes, I was maybe young and a bit naive still at the time, but I went to work for him and, uh, you know, was I intimidated the first couple of times I got called to his office? Yes. But I, I listened to what he was really trying to say and I got it. I, I mean, there was a and, wavelength there that we connected on and I fundamentally didn't care about his style. Yeah. And I would go, you know, I would go into his office and as I was walking down the hallway toward where he was, and I would hear him yelling at his assistant, where's Lieutenant Thorpe? Has he gotten here yet? You know, and, and I'd, I'd start yelling, I'm here, sir, on my way, on my way, you know, and I walk in and then, you know, oh, okay, no problem. Got it. I got you. And I'm not going to say we ever got to be friends, but I do remember the day we were needing to go somewhere. And he just told me, he said, I'm not waiting for the driver. Hop in my car. Let's go. And, and the fir first thought through my mind was, okay, I've now entered the Death Star. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be captured in this vehicle, you know, with this guy. But we drove down the road and we were talking about some of the matters and problems we had. And I, I was feeding it back to him and saying some stuff and I was doing it in my own way. And he started laughing. Yeah. He, he said, he said, Thorpe, you're hilarious. He said, I, he said, you brightened my day. And I said, well, not intended, sir, but thank you. I'll take the compliment, you know? And, uh, I said, I'm not trying to be a clown. I, I believe I know what I'm doing. He said, yes, yeah. you do. Yeah, he yeah. said, yes, you do. And I appreciate that. And, and we kind of, there was just this moment there, you know? Well, sometimes you can, you can find ways to work with people. And I, I, I don't like to say that sometimes people are justified for shouting, but I've had to bite my lip a few times as well, because, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I always tell people leadership would be a lot easier if it wasn't for people. It'd be a damn sight easier because dealing with people can be difficult and stressful. If they can find a way to, if there's a way to screw up, somebody will find it. So it can be, uh, it can be, excuse me, it can be challenging. But if you can, if you can find a a good boss to work with, uh, it is just, you know, it, it's a night and day difference. Right. And I think one of the challenges that we face is that. Uh, being successful at delivery and being a nice person ain't necessarily the you know the same the same thing, and uh, a lot of companies will value results of uh, um, toxicity. Tox toxicity. Um, yeah. Yeah. A toxic environment, and and I've, I I actually did that uh, during Brexit. I, I uh, worked for the UK government on on Brexit, helping to put some systems and systems in place. And there was one person, and it, I reported to him. Um, but at this point, I'm not phased. I, I, you know, my mother was a screamer and a shouter. So you know, you can do what you like. The woman who had power of life and death <laughs> raised me to be immune to that kind of stuff. But he said to me when, when I joined, he said, you know. It's me and you that need to fix this because everybody else is an idiot. What do you think? And I, and I said, you know, good to know. And what I really thought was, 
at some point he's going to be telling everybody I'm an idiot as well because he doesn't value anybody's opinion but his own. And he was brutal with people in meetings. And he was a contractor and doing this with disabled foreign women in a government environment. I thought, I, I don't want to sit too near to him because he's going to get struck down by a lightning bolt at some point uh, in this place. And uh, when I left, you know, the head of... Uh, the department asked me what I felt of him. I said, he's a terrible person and you should get rid of him. And they said, we can't. He's the only one that knows what, you know, what's going on. I said, how do you know that? And they said, well, that's what he's told us. I went, yeah. <laughs> I make a deal. He's lying. You should, you should get rid of him. But they, you know, they were, they were prepared to trade the toxic environment he created for the possibility of results. So now, you know, we were going to talk about my journey a little bit. So now I, I stopped working in the corporate environment as a leader because and part of that decision was, you know, people telling me I couldn't lead. I thought, right, I'm going to become a leadership expert. I'll show you. Uh, and, and now what I do is because I've got a tremendous capability capability to deliver what i try and do is i try and teach nice people how to deliver because a lot of leadership is about trying to teach people you know emotional intelligence and all this good stuff but basically uh what they're doing is they're trying to get air holes to be non-air holes that that's a process right. it doesn't work yeah you, you can't you know, I have seen it, you know, maybe less than 1% of the time it's happened, but I would rather work with the people who are fundamentally good people, have good leadership skills, but maybe lack delivery capability and then work with them to give them that. So they've got that. I'm a good person and I can get the job done because the more people we have like that, the the, the more uh, productive I was going to say productive environments, but actually sustainable productive environments. Because some of these toxic bosses, they'll get it done, but nobody ever wants to work with them again. So you've right. got to keep giving them a fresh raft of bodies, which is, you know, you've got, you might be getting the results, but you've got low, re low retention, high turnover, and disengaged staff. So even the results you're getting, and not the best results because people are not in, they're not inspired. They're doing it in spite of their relationship with the boss rather than, you know, he, he's a detractor, not a, a subtractor, not a multiplier. Um, and if you've got a good boss with a good team who knows how to get it done, kaboom. Now we're rocking and rolling. Well, I think you're touching on an area, and I often talk to my clients about this and I'll frequently start a coaching relationship with the question do you believe there's a difference between management and leadership and and once upon a time people weren't sure but nowadays everybody's kind of enlightened and they all go of course there is <laughs> and uh but then I'll say all right well what do you think it is and what I'll end up getting into with them and uh uh, a friend of mine many years ago taught me a phrase, and it was the outcome of a, a huge study that he did. It was a very yeah. well-done study, but he boiled it all down to the phrase, management is about process and leadership is about people. 
And I think that speaks to your point. There can be guys in positions of authority that are delivering and, and hitting the numbers, yeah. pushing things out the door, but there's collateral damage with the people. People are burned out, they're frustrated, they're hurt, they're harmed, it's toxic, etc. Yeah, there's a couple of phrases around that that you know, you manage processes, you lead people. And I and I and I think that's true. Um and when we talk about high performance leadership, I like the the Peter Drucker management is about making sure you do things right, and leadership is about making sure you do the right things. And and I think sometimes you can get people who can do things right, but to that capability to realize we're doing the wrong thing and change it is what differentiates people. And this is what I try to you know if you've got the people who are ostensibly good people. And, and, and who can do things right, if you can now teach them what are the right things to do or how to identify the right things to do, now you're ticking both those boxes and you're, you're, you're rocking and rolling. Yeah. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit. I, mm. I, I, I would like you to share with everybody your, your book, FAST. That was an sure. acronym that I, I, I loved when I first saw it. Um, I'll be honest, I read the book some time ago. And uh, so to just walk us through what that acronym stands for. So the first thing I want to say is um, it's an acronym, but I'm not one of these authors who came up with an acronym and thought, how do I create the book? I was actually writing a book about three things, simplicity, transparency, and focus. That was the, that's what the book was about. That's what I'm all about. And then my speaking coach said to me, what about accountability? Do you not think that should be included? I went, well, it kind of goes without saying. He said, but if you say it, now you've got fast. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why did I not see that? So, ding, ding, ding. yeah, so the acronym came from spelling the words I wanted rather than I picked a word and, you know, I don't know, leader, and then try to figure yeah. what I can do. And and this comes back to the, the premise of helping people give them delivery capability, because my background, you know, my career in IT uh, was in IT. Uh, when I started, the progression was you're a junior for a year, you're a trainee for six months, a junior for a year, a programmer for two years, a senior for two years, and eventually you get into project management. And I thought, that's too slow for me. How can I accelerate it? Um, was the project over there? Who's doing that? Nobody. What do you mean nobody? It's fraught with danger and everybody's backed away. And I was like, if I do it, <laughs> will I get the title of project manager? You know, and at that point, they were already fitting me the overalls on to, and the uniform. Oh, yeah, if you want to do it step this way so I, I started taking on the, the complex and the more difficult things which allowed me to accelerate and then I became a turnaround expert and what I was when I started doing the coaching the question I asked myself was do I have a process my background is mathematics and pattern recognition is my one of my forces do I have a process that I'm subconsciously following that if I was conscious about it, could I then 
write that down step by step so other people could follow it. And that's how FAST came about. I went back and I looked at all of the projects I've ever been involved in. And we, we talked about keep it simple. So as a turnaround expert, there's two things you have to do. Figure out what's wrong, fix it. That's my fundamental process. Okay, that's not earth shattering, I know, but it is, it is simple. And then I was asking, are there common things that go wrong that, I, that I'm drawn to? And as I started looking at it, there were four things I found, a lack of focus. People weren't clear about what the goals and objectives were. They didn't know what success looked like, which meant you know they would snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Or they would be, you know, just doing the wrong thing. And as we said, leadership is about uh, making sure we're doing the right things. A lack of accountability. And that's about the who. People either hadn't been told what their job was. They were just assumed they would know and it wasn't happening. Or they would, uh, they didn't have the tools that they needed. So they couldn't take ownership. Uh, and then there was uh, too much complexity. It had been over complicated. So there's a lack of simplicity. And then the last one is transparency, which is two things. Do we know what's involved? And if we want to have a baby, it takes nine months minimum. If you commit to anything less, you're doomed to failure. And on some projects, that's the case as well. I worked on one project and we had a three month deadline and yet the hardware ordering process was eight weeks. <laughs> who, who came up with that? So one of two things has got to happen. You either need to move the deadline or we get a different ordering process, but you can't, you can't follow that process. And then the second part of transparency. So it's about truth and honesty, the uh, truth of what's involved. And then it's the honesty of where we are on the journey. So do you have a feedback loop that says after 50% of the time, we've achieved 50%? Because if you do, and you're on track, good job, well done, praise all around. If you're not, what do we need to do to fix it? So just by improving focus, accountability, simplicity, transparency, that eliminates about 95% of the things that cause failure. And not only do they do that? But if you avoid them, you actually achieve success significantly faster. And there's an interrelationship between them. The simpler things are, the easier it is to focus. The more transparency you have in the performance, the easier it is to hold people accountable. And if you don't have transparency in the performance, what are you holding people accountable for? The way they dress, the way they talk, or the outcomes that they're achieving? Without the right. transparency, you can't do that. So that's the whole genesis of fast and focus and accountability, improve our effectiveness, our progress towards the target, and then simplicity and transparency allow us to increase our efficiency, the speed with which we, um, or the effort involved to achieve the target. And if you can improve effectiveness and efficiency, kaboom. Yeah. Results are just going to blow out of the water. Your teams are going to be engaged. They know what needs to be done. They can see that they're doing it. They're accountable. They've taken ownership. They've got the tools and they can understand it. You, if you set that up, and a lot of that is pre-work, you know, getting the right focus 
keeping it simple and understanding what's involved and giving the people the tools. That's all pre-work. The only thing left is monitoring the uh, the progress on the journey. And then when you've got a problem, fixing it or addressing it. And, and as you were describing all that, and I, and I love that model, by the way, and, and we're back to commonsensical solutions here. Yeah. Um, but I, what I couldn't avoid coming to mind is the classic scenario in business where the goalpost keeps moving. So you you come together and you say, here's a challenge we've got. Let's let's mobilize a project to get this done. Okay, great. Boom, you start all the work, you lay out all that stuff. And even if you check all four of those boxes, your FAST boxes, and had the good definition and understanding, all of a sudden stakeholder rolls up and says, eh, you know, I missed a thing. We got to add this chunk over here. Now you've got this classic scope creep, and I know that's mostly a technology term, but it it applies. It's a life. It's a life. It's a life thing, isn't it? Uh, I'll give you a great example of scope creep. It's thirty nine dollars to fly with JetBlue. Oh, you wanted to see. Oh, you wanted to bring some bags. You want automatic, you know, it, and it just it adds up. So you you sat there with your thirty nine dollars. It's like. Damn, <laughs> I'm going to have to stand and wear the clothes I'm wearing now. So yeah, right. you've got to you've got to have that. And and the thing about that is, that if you've got transparency, then you can um, you can, you can still use simplicity, transparency, and accountability. Because what you can do is you can say, "Great, you want this? It's going to cost this. Do you have the authority to agree to the schedule change and the budget increase? If you do, then you can have it." If you don't, thanks for that. We'll put it in the backlog. And if you, a lot of times when you don't have the transparency into the, the, the overall project, you can end up agreeing to things that you just, you don't know whether it can be done or not. And once you've accepted it and you find out it can't, it's too late. That's no longer scope creep, that's in. So again, yeah, this is my background in project management of you know protecting the scope, uh, and then just having the guts to just go to the business and say, yeah, if you want that, you can, but it's going to mean a three month delay and two hundred thousand more. You're if you're happy with that and you're prepared to pay that, then fine. And if we don't do that, we're taking away their accountability for making a decision which has impacted the project. Right. Right, and you know when we're accountable, it allow and we've got these things. It allows us to hold other people to account as well. And sometimes you've got to hold, you know, the people. That, oh, I want more. Yeah, that's fine. You know, with with the jet too. If I want to take a suitcase, jet blue. If I want to take a suitcase, that's fine. Here's the price. If you right. can get it all in your hand luggage, you're good to go. If you can't. Well, and, and thinking of other elements of that on the focus point, what comes to my mind, again, from a leadership standpoint, often I, I work with leaders who admit they have trouble delegating. You know, they've got that psycho-emotional tie to how to delegate, and we end up getting into a discussion, and, and the analogy I give them is, you know, delegation is a lot like parenting. You want to give your kids permission and protection permission and, authority and protection 
And, and, you know, you let them go with that. And I use the, the simple analogy, if you're the leader and you say to one of your engineers, go get me a rock. Yeah. I need a rock. Okay. Guy shows up with a blue rock yeah. and you're the manager and you look at it and you, you come to this realization. I really wanted a red rock. Well, you didn't yeah. say that. No, that's <laughs> you weren't right. clear. You weren't Whose fault is it. that? Whose fault is that? Yeah. And I, I ask this question all the time about um, empowerment and delegation. Does it require more rules or less? And people say, well, it's less because you want to give them the freedom. So that actually involves, it, it depends, but it can actually involve more because you've got to draw, uh, uh, if what you're telling people is, here's, here's $39,999, go and buy me that red Chevy over there in the corner, registration number, da, da, da. That's not delegation. That's task assignment. But if you say to somebody, all right, you know, I've got a budget of 40,000. I'd like a car that's less than three years old, has done less than 30,000 miles, saloon, four door, in a dark color, then they're going to get it. But if they come back with something that meets every one of those criteria, you have to say, good job, well done. Even if it is the a Daihatsu or some model of car you've never heard of, if it meets the criteria, it's your fault. And I, I was working with a guy and he said, but don't you think that's a learning a learning opportunity? And I went, yeah. And he said, for the employee, he went, no, it's a no, learning it's opportunity you. for you. You should be more specific about what you wanted. I mean, I was once in a, a, a restaurant and they said, oh, we have a surprise menu. Is there anything you don't eat? And I said, shellfish. And I went, okay, no problem. They brought them in. I said, what's that? And they said, it's sweetbreads. I was like, yeah, I meant I don't eat shellfish or sweetbreads. <laughs> but yeah, it's my fault. I, I, I gave them that freedom and now we go. One of the things I do, I, I've been working with a client at the moment and we've been trying to increase delegation. And one of the things that I've done to help facilitate that, because you're right, there is resistance and pushback. Uh, and one of the one of the one of the uh, one of my sayings now is people tell me I'm too busy to delegate. And I say no, you're too busy because you're not delegating. And and I make them go through an exercise of write down the benefits of delegating for you, for the people you delegate to, and for the company. And the record so far is thirteen reasons, thirteen benefits. And when the person did that, and I was like, so are we gonna delegate or not and they went yeah i can't give up these 13 benefits you know it's good for the development of the people it will make you a popular boss it frees you up for promotion it increases your level of impact da 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 da, da. but once they see that there's a, a willingness to do more of it but still a degree of resistance i can't delegate enough <laughs> I'd like more work to delegate away. I'm a master delegator. Yeah, that is. And, and, and this notion of busyness, it, it's yeah. like it's become some kind of badge of honor. And, and I think it's a badge of something else and a word I won't even use. But, um, yeah. it, you know, when I, when I run into clients who's, who I've actually had clients say, I'm too busy to get you on my schedule. I said, well, you hired me as your coach. Yeah. <laughs> Where does yeah. that fit? Where does that fit? 
Yeah, I, and the, the, there are two badges of honour that I, I completely hate in corporations. One is badge of attendance, or I was there till nine o'clock. So what? what? What did you achieve? You know, we 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 reward people for output, not uh, attendance. And then the second one, as you say, oh, I'm busy. Yep, but busy doing what? I can be busy rearranging the uh, paper clips so that they're all the right way around. Doesn't add value, doesn't help anything, doesn't move us forward. So are you busy on the right things? And I used to tell my team, you know, if you're, if you're done, go home. You know, if, you, if you've achieved the goals for the day, feel free to go home. Do not feel obliged to stay to nine just because, just if, just because I'm here. Because I've had that where nobody would leave before I left the office. And right. I, so I would, I would, I would invariably. There's, there's times when I've left early and gone around the back and come in the door, and then gone back to my office because I, I don't want people to just be staying there for for no benefit. Because right. one, you know, they're getting burned out, or I'm paying them for uh, to be in attendance rather than productive. Going back to your story of the, uh, you know, violating company policy for giving out awards. I had a, in my early career as a banker, I had a, I had been elevated up and I had a division of about 300 employees and um, I refused to make them sign time cards because I had the same attitude. Like I'll tell them what their work is. If we're producing and we're hitting our numbers, I don't care what you work. I don't care how long it takes. And, and yeah. yes, I will monitor varying elements of performance. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. I will. People will be held accountable, but it won't be on a time clock basis. And I, I used to get called into the woodshed on a regular basis. Oh, you know, the attorneys are going nuts. You don't have time cards and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, Ooh, so what? Well, I, I went for, for DHL, name and shame. Um, and I, I arrived at 8.20 and I got called in by HR and the uh, the uh, HR manager said to me, do you know why I've called you in? I went, I, I could guess, but I'm not sure. What is it? Um, he said, you know, our hours are eight to six hour for lunch. You arrived at 8.20. That's the second time this week. If it's the third time, you're going to get a written warning. I was like, okay. I said, you understand what I'm saying? Yep. I said, you're going to comply. I went on one condition. He said, what's that? I said, I was here till 11 o'clock last night. So if you're going to be checking if I'm in at 8 o'clock, I want you to be kicking me out at 6 because we work, you just told me, 8 till 6. And if you're going to let me stay from 6 till 11, I don't want you getting, you know, peeing me off over 20 minutes, me, me turning up 20 minutes late. It was like, you were here at 11 o'clock? I went, oh, you weren't here at that time, were you? Yeah, some of us some of us are committed to the firm and are doing what what's needed. But apparently, all that's needed from you is that I'm here at 8 o'clock. And again, I might have... Uh, uh, I might have had a valid argument, but they weren't happy with the way I put it across. But, you know, I, I was peed off. Yeah, you know, it's dumb. If you're going to yeah. bitch about me coming in late, then bitch about me staying late as well. You you can't have it both ways. And not only that, but you have just now demotivated 
one of your most productive employees, one of your most committed, who was there till 11 o'clock. Because I'll tell you what, today, I don't care whether the building's on fire. At 5.59 and 59 seconds, my coat is on and I'm heading to the elevator. I don't care what's that mean. Yeah, yeah. That is, and that's, uh, it, it's those kinds of issues that managers get hung up on and, and inevitably go the wrong it's direction. It's the process, isn't it? The process. Yeah. You have to be eight till six. Really? Right. 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 Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Gordon, I'm looking at the clock here and uh, we're about up on our time for today. I really appreciate you sitting in. I think this has been really valuable and it's been a blast talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And, and what I want to do is I want to make sure that um, I'll, I'll give you a link to the download of my audio copy of Fast, which I like because it's only two hours. So people can, uh, people can listen to that uh, and hopefully get some benefit from it. That'll be great. And, and we will definitely share that in the show notes so that everybody can get a hold of it. And is there any other way that people can get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, so in terms of simplicity, I, I was doing some work with a Ethiopian bank and I can't remember the gentleman's name. It was Hab to move something or other. And when I looked at him on LinkedIn, there were 17 people with that name. Bizarrely, I am the only Gordon Treadgold in the entire world. If So if you want to find me, just put Gordon Treadgold into Google and I am the only one. Wow. I, don't, well, good I for you. don't know how that happened. It makes no sense. My son's a musician, Dan, and there's 50 of him, but uh, I'm the only Gordon Treadgold in the entire world. And a lot of people would say that's a good thing. We wouldn't want another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they only have to get to know you, right? Yeah. <laughs> the mold was broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, again, we'll make mention of that as well, folks, in the show notes. And with that, we're going to bring this to a close. I always like to remind people that if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, a channel by the same name. And we are so good looking. That's well worth That's it. right. They need to go uh, enjoy, you know, the, the, the scenery there. <laughs> Well, we didn't even get to your story of your uh, running a marathon. So Gordon is a marathon runner. Maybe in another episode, we'll do that. We'll talk Absolutely. about that. And I used fast to do it. I know. <laughs> I didn't I run know. it fast. <laughs> I'll be clear about that. Right. But the training story and getting ready for it. So it, uh, it definitely does work in other phases of life as well. Sure. But anyway, with that, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and thank you for listening in. We hope you go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.